Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast, episode number 188. I am your host, David Palermo, and this one is about Nate Peterman getting the start over Josh Allen and AJ McCarron getting traded away for a fifth round pick. Who would have thought? Uh, that said, I believe the Bills eat a couple million on the cap for that one this year, along with cutting Corey Coleman. I think they eat mm, three million this year on the dead cap. Let's get into it. Again, podcast number 188. I'm your host, David Palermo. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and stay tuned. Let's go. Yeah, I'm not going to wait for this whole intro thing. I got things to do tonight. So I guess I'll just start right here. And, um... If you've been following along with the podcast, um, I've personally been railing for a while here about the general manager and Coach McDermott and, you know, trusting the process and all sorts of stuff. And really, the quarterback situation was just really um, closing my eyes as I say this. It just didn't seem to be really addressed. And a few other holes in the roster weren't addressed either. And, you know, um, I'm not sure why the decision was made. So the simple things to start off with is is if it was a true competition and a coach wants to, to show the people he works with his word is gold, right? Um, but you have... Every year, players you think that underperformed and made the roster. I'm looking at maybe the Foster wide receiver from Alabama over Coleman, who the Bills actually had to give up, even though it's just a seventh-round pick. But they got to eat cap money, so that tells you two fast guys how much better Foster must have been than Coleman. Maybe Coleman wasn't picking up the offense. I don't know. But the Bills go into this season as well, kind of questionable with Nate Peterman at quarterback, bringing A.J. McCarron, who you could have in the offseason said that was your plan, was A.J. McCarron, and you're going to surround him with weapons, and the marketing team at one Bills drive would have to hit me with, uh, you know what, he's been groomed, he's ready to go, this is how a quarterback's developed. You could have told me that. Um, but when I look at a guy like Josh Allen who gets drafted for a left tackle of Cordy Glenn just to move up in the draft, not even to their final spot, but just to move up a few spots with Cincinnati, they give away Cordy Glenn. Yeah, that clears $9 million, um overall for, I mean, all of his dead cap got pushed into one year. So Cordy Glenn is eating up the cap right now for $9 million. And the you know, Deion Dawkins has shown a lot of promise, but let's be real. It's a one-year starter here and on an offensive line that was suspect that didn't get their act together. I should say the coaches didn't get their act together till middle of the season to figure it out. And it's like the Bills' offensive line was pretty much the most turnkey spot you can get to. What's this have to do with the Buffalo Bills quarterback situation? Everything. The Bills are clearly not ready to debut Josh Allen behind an offensive line. When you got to evaluate the offensive line, you need a guy as in Nate Peterman, whose big thing in college was, hey, he beat Clemson, 
He had a solid year, the only pro-ready quarterback out of the draft his year. He was touted to be a second-round pick. He went in the fifth round. I, as a Bills fan, was stoked on the pick. I really was. And contrary to popular belief, if you listen to this, I actually like Nate Biederman. It's just this is a very um, intense game of chess here. And I feel that you need to have the best pieces on the roster. And frankly, you could have sold me on having Joe Webb as the veteran quarterback who's read defenses, who's actually had a, a fair amount of experience in the league over, frankly, you know, Adrian McCarron, who doesn't even have a 1,000 yards, you know, receiving. Uh, or I should say receiving. Passing the ball in his career, you know, and that's who you're going to learn from. Oh, yeah, he sat on the bench and held the clipboard. Yeah, I understand that the backup quarterback is usually the smartest guy on the team. They say, at the same time, dude's been holding a clipboard, hasn't seen live bullets. Like, what? Uh, when's the last time he broke a sweat in his four year, three year career, AJ McCarron? Like, come on here. It, it's absolutely just bonkers, you know? So, um, for me, it's like my whole my whole defense has always been on the whole end of like at least Joe Webb hasn't thrown as many yards. All right, he's around the same number as McCarron in hindsight. I'm looking at it now. He's at 888 passing yards, but the guy is a versatile player. He's been around the league. He was awesome on special teams. He does a lot of things, and I thought this. I thought all football teams like to have versatile guys. And Joe Webb, I think he was with uh, the Texans. I don't know if he got cut or not. But um, that's pretty much kind of where I'm at, which is like I don't think the Bills, frankly, know what's up with this team. We don't know what's up with this team. Um, Game three is your dress rehearsal, and you have offensive linemen who have plenty of tape on them for years. As in, you know, I don't need to call them out, but... I don't know what to think. If it's if we're it's one or the other. If the offensive line can't get their shit together, is it the coach Juan Castillo, who's been the same communicator for the last two seasons now, that can't communicate to to the offensive line, or is it all of a sudden going to wake up because Lashawn McCoy is there? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Nate Peterman can run the offense. That's the bright spot here. Okay, because we're so I think the Bills are so far behind. That, and what is behind? What I mean is, they don't have a solid five to even start on the line. It's been like a ghost town of like major transactions in Buffalo. Oh, they don't have money. Well, don't ship out a lot of talent that costs you a lot of dead cap. And then you look at the dead cap that the Bills have, and you could use some of these players. I went over it. So I'm going to do a whole other podcast about it, about that topic. Um, but. Brandon Bean gets a win for trading McCarron because I'm like, what the hell are you going to do with this dude? What are you going to do with A.J. McCarron? Apparently a fourth preseason game meant something to John Gruden and the fucking Raiders. Wow. That guy gets paid $100 million. And then he gets into coaching and he's like, again, and Gruden's like, oh, man, there's just not enough time to prep these players. Oh, no shit. So in my notes here on my set list, I have starting Nate and then so, yeah, let me wrap up this thought. We're starting Nate Peterman. You got to support him. In fact is, yeah, I've been hard on this dude. Like, really? I I, I don't want to say hard. I should say reading off his stats and 
showing a lot of concern, which I'm sure he'll own up to, you know, but you cannot deny, I hate to admit it, a quarterback rating this preseason of 124.8, he threw one pick that bounced off Chris Ivory's hands, placement, that's up to you, but if it hit his hands, that's should be a catch, I guess is the old rule of thumb, right? So he, 41 attempts, 33 completions for 80.5 completion percentage, 432 yards at 10.5 yards a clip. That's crazy. 7.3 touchdown percentage, three touchdowns, one interception, and the long was uh, 35. So, look, he took the least amount of sacks with two. Now, A.J. McCarron took seven sacks. Josh Allen took seven sacks. Here's what I'll say about that. All right. For everybody who loves to read stats, can we please just remember the damn situation of these games? I hate stats because with stats, you forget all the asterisks that got to be involved in it. And the fact is, is if I'm going to say something about that game in game three, Josh Allen versus Nate Peterman, it's that Josh Allen touched on the last podcast is set up to fail. He is set up for disaster as far as if he is a start right now. You're going to ruin the kid's psyche. Peterman's going to get rid of the ball, be able to read the defense faster than Josh Allen, I think. Or maybe he really is just that good. You know, but I don't know what experience the Bills have evaluating quarterbacks, to be honest with you. Uh, Brian Davis off as a coordinator, but like he worked with Tom Brady. You know, he worked on the Browns a little bit. He worked in Miami for a little bit. But, like, you have Tom Brady, and you go to Alabama, where you have Nick Saban. You, you are at the top of talent. So, when you're coming from that culture, it's like you can, whatever you say goes pretty much if you're under Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. But even Bill Belichick has, has had to cool out a little bit because Tom Brady's getting sick of his shit. Being a dick, Bill Belichick, whatever it is, allegedly. So probably the trainer thing. So, you know, pretty much what I'm getting at here is it's time to support the dude. I'm a huge fan. Clearly, I'm dumb enough to do a, a podcast thinking that, like, you guys actually care to listen to the bullshit out of my mouth. Whatever you're doing, I don't know why you're here, but thank you for tuning in. Um, but it's time to support Nate Peterman. And I would love to see Josh Allen start just because it's our long-term investment. That said, I think it says a lot to what the coaching staff thinks about where the team is at right now. And Nate Peterman, you got vets that want a chance to win. Um, I, I, I just get really worried because if Nate Peterman starts winning games, I want Nate Peterman to keep playing. I don't want to just, oh, it's Josh's turn. Because here's how it goes, all right? Here's why everybody's like, oh, why are you so negative? Get over Tyrod Taylor to me or whatever. Any quarterback that we roll with, I'm ready to back the dude, okay? And I have attachment issues. What that means to you is don't tell me we're working on Fitzpatrick's accuracy and we got like a three-year plan ahead of us and he's going to get better. And in fact, you could almost argue Fitzpatrick did get better because I heard him on an interview with John Murphy um, the year they almost made the playoffs, the year, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick stomped the shit out of the Bills when he was on the Jets. And it was interesting seeing Fitz with actual pass targets and a defense over there in New York under Chang offense. 
And it's like, wow, imagine that. You surround a guy with some talent, and you have a defense that can actually get you the ball back. His stats didn't look as bad. And, in fact, he said that he got better. His stats actually went up. And what do you know? Ryan Fitzpatrick still has a job. Now he's in Tampa Bay starting for the first, I believe, three games because of Jameis Winston being a scumbag or some shit. Is that it? I don't know. Thought so. So, next chapter here. Here's the beef I had with buying in, okay? I'm ready to buy in, as Mike Smith, our fantasy expert, says. I'm ready to buy into the Dan Peterman train. Choo-choo all aboard, okay? But I'm telling you, if I'm buying in and he's looking good and he's looking 50-50, I still want him to play. I don't necessarily want to put Josh Allen in there. Nate has to really fucking shit on himself to have Josh Allen go in, frankly. Like, he's got to show that he doesn't like... Like, to me, Nate Peterman reminds me of Ryan Fitzpatrick in a way where they're so smart that they don't understand... But they don't understand their limitations. And I see the same ball picked off on a practice video... And the last week of camp here in Rochester, number 51, picked the ball off. Forgot what number that is because I'm an idiot drawing a blank right now. So it's like he has a hard time throwing that out route, man. That that sideline throw that you take for granted from guys like Tyrod, you know. But I think Bills fans just get to this place where they're like anything but player X, anything but general manager X. Who's been in this building this long? They got to go. They're the problem. And that's what Bills fans are guilty of. What Bills fans are also really guilty of is just giving up on a player. Like, I didn't want to give up necessarily even on EJ Manuel. But when you got Kevin Cobb slipping on the mat and taking a brutal knee to the head in a game, in a preseason game, while EJ Manuel starting, I was like, oh, okay. And then, then you have a coaching staff, in, which I covered many times with Doug Romer, they don't watch what C.J. Spiller did well until, like, middle of the season, season two, and kind of figure out how to use him, you know? Took Shane Gailey three years. Took C.J. Spiller three years to get decent. Year three. Then the coach is fired because, well, it's Buffalo. Shane Gailey sucks. Everybody never had a defense. People forget that he took over a roster that was like a barren wasteland of trash. You know, and, and honestly, Buddy Nick's kind of had a similar approach to the Bills right now, actually, in hindsight, which is just like, well, I guess we're just going to hold tight and see how this develops, see what players prove themselves, and, you know, competition beats, breeds the best of us, yada, 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 yada. But the Bills have a few sneaky pieces like Jeremy Curley and Chris Ivory, and I even think Andre Holmes is a sneaky piece, too. So... Um, I'll dive into that again another podcast because I'm teasing here and I really have that marked down. Um, but once we get Nate Peterman in there, if if the kid's playing all right, you got to go with him. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You got to support him. I'm curious to see what Brian Dable does, the offensive coordinator does with, with Andre Holmes. That's another receiver that, that, again, made the team. He's under contract, I believe, another year. And this dude is tall. And he's been primarily a special teams guy. But you have to take everything from Rick Dennison's offense last year and just scrap it, throw it to the curb. We've been over this a million times, how bad that offense was. And schematically, just awful. So you got to look at things like this. If Brian Dable, which you hope is a guy that's influenced by Bill Belichick, 
Bill Belichick is a situational football guy, and he's a mismatch person. He's all about mismatches. And frankly, isn't it like what sports is about is a mismatch? It shouldn't be like rocket science. You know, so if anything, it just shows you how a lot of the old guard thinks, which is a state pat to, to ideas. And it's like, nope, this is just it. We're just calling this play. Our guy has to beat the guy across from them. And that's it. It's just one. Okay. Sure thing. But last I check, 11 things happening on one side of the ball and 11 things happening on the other side of the ball from both players going exactly the same. It's not going to happen. Things are going to cancel each other out. Shit's going to happen. And that's what makes football cool. But what can happen is coaches putting players in the best position to succeed. If we have to mask the offensive line, the best way to do it is with Nate Peterman, who has the ball out the quickest. He has the fastest release. That said, if Nate Peterman throws that ball that he knows he can't throw but thinks in his head, he's just going to throw it to the sidelines and have dude pick it out off an out route or a comeback route. Like These cornerbacks are hungry for Nate Peterman. They are hungry. And going into Baltimore, pro football focus has the Ravens secondary ranked as the fourth best in the league. That said, Jimmy Smith is suspended for four games for, uh, you know, it says from Mike Garofalo on Twitter, August 24, 21st, 2018. The Jimmy Smith suspension stems from a petition filed in court last year by the mother of his son. The woman alleged physical violence, though the league found no evidence of that. They did find the quote-unquote threatening behavior of the Ravens statement mentions. So, whatever it is, dude suspended. And I have heard that the depth is actually pretty good. I was in a Twitter conversation on this. I am not your expert, but Nate has quite the challenge. I, I I just don't really know how to even go about this game because, again, if the offensive line is still gelling, okay, it's still going to come together. Let's, I, I just want to see a solid five in the same position. That's it. That's it. I don't buy that you can just bounce Dugard, Duke, Vlad Dukas, the left guard, and everything's all fine. Because that's not what I've learned over the years, pretty much trying to break down this football crap, which is like, it's really hard to go from the right side to the left side on the offensive line. It just is. And we've talked about it many times on the podcast. It's like, you know, if you ride a bicycle, you could probably turn right or left easier than the other. It's that simple. You know, you're going to lean better on one side. It's it's. We all have a side we favor. That said, there are talented athletes that can do whatever. I mean, there are swing tackles. There are swing offensive linemen, guys who they do with their ass and they're elite. I mean, and if Lad Dukas can handle that, I mean, I guess I got to trust the coaching staff. This is who's on the roster. So, you know, I'm looking forward to getting a solid group of five out there. Ryan Groh showed a lot. Ryan Groh showed a lot of promise at center when he filled in for Eric Wood. Pretty good, actually. And I'm just hoping that when you look at the roster of who Brian Dable kept, you have like these big tight ends like Logan Thomas. Uh, Crew made the team, and Crew was injured last year. Great story. He was injured last year, ended up on IR. I forgot for what, but during camp. 
And that was a year I actually got to walk around with the little stupid press pass thing. And I remember actually talking to Kroom on the way to out of the locker rooms, like towards the field. And, and I mentioned how he had chemistry with Nate Peterman and Nate Peterman and Kroom have had chemistry a long time. They go back to, I believe, um, early in college and then Nate Peterman got transferred to Pittsburgh. So, um, Kroom and Peterman, they hit it off right off the bat, not this past training camp, not just this past training camp, but the training camp prior. So it's kind of cool to see Jason Crew make the roster. Really neat. Um, and Nick O'Leary, Raw Dog Nick O'Leary got cut. But I, I don't know what that means. Again, I was just talking about Andre Holmes and drifted, as always. Um, but that's another guy that's tall. You got these big bodies. You got Calvin Benjamin. I, I'm just hoping for a Patriots-type offense, which is what we were seeing at camp, which is get the ball in space to playmakers, uh, you know, and, and it's like, I think Jeremy Crowe is going to have a, a very good role on the Bills team if he's out there. You know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see that. I think Chris Ivory will be just fine as the second running back. And, you know, these vets, Jeremy Crowe and Chris Ivory, they're going to make hopefully Nathan Peterman look better by being in the right spot at the right time. Same with Calvin Benjamin. It's time for him to step up and do some nice things. Um, and Nate seems to have some decent chemistry with, with, with Calvin Benjamin, so I'm really looking forward to it. So as long as a coach, this is all coaching. Brian Dable's job is here's a talent, make it work. All right? That's what's got to happen. It's that simple. Easier said than done, sure. But at least show me that you know how these players should be used. You know, there's a – it's early. It's early, but there haven't been – as many upgrades as we thought as Bills fans, I think a lot of us. But now it's time to put on our We Support Nate Peterman. So here's the scenario. Scenario one, he plays well. Then what? We went over that. Keep his ass in there. Put pieces around him. Why? Why not? Quarterbacks don't grow on trees, right? Maybe you can flip him for a pick. Or if he plays that well, you play him again next season and then maybe trade away Josh Allen. I don't know. Or you have him wait. That way he can play like the last two to three years of his contract and then get good finally. And then you can't afford him or he's just not good enough and you're kind of in the middle. So why not go with, I say, the hot hand? All right, well, what if Nate Peterman plays okay? I don't know. For me, that's going to be like up and down. If Nate Peterman is just like okay, 50-50, and then he has like an abomination if he throws a few picks, which I really don't see him throwing five picks. I hate to say it. I don't see it happening. That was really a freaking anomaly. Um, But to me, it's like a testament to the coaching. Like, this is what you see at practice, right? I don't know. You guys see this guy more than I do. So, all because you have the job doesn't mean you're smarter than everybody, but apparently you have the job. So, hopefully your quarterback evaluation is on. But if this dude just falls on his face... which is scenario number three. If Nate Peterman sucks, and then you throw in Josh Allen and the Bills are 0-2, which I don't think Sean McDermott would even take Nate Peterman out. I'm telling you that right now. I do not see Nate Peterman coming out for a while. If I had to put a number, pull a number right out of my freaking ass, 24 minutes into this bullshit here that you're still listening to for some reason, 
if Nate Peterman starts anything less than five games, I'll be shocked. I would almost think six because it took the Bills with the Pro Bowl center and a Pro Bowl left guard last season to like six, seven games to get their shit together offensively on the offensive line. You successfully took the coaches successfully took Eric Wood and Richie Incognito and had them digress somehow after two years of film on how to use those pieces in chess. So really, I don't know what I'm betting on here, frankly. All I do know is I would like to give the offensive line four games but realistically, maybe give them six because that's how depleted. No disrespect to any players listening. I don't know why you would listen to this, but if you are, I'm really flattered. Um, you know, this podcast isn't about hurting your feelings, just calling out the chess pieces. Um, there's a lot of tape on you guys, you know. So if it all starts in the trenches, well, that's where it's got to start. And like I said at the beginning of this, why are we starting Nate Peterman? Well, he looks, he won the competition. And you can't say it was the stiffest competition for Josh Allen either. You can't tell me, though, that game three, Josh Allen had, like, horrible field position and Nate Peterman played against, like, the Bengals' twos and threes with his ones still in the game and got 200 yards passing. You could tell me that. But, okay, we got to evaluate the whole rest of the roster. We can't have just... Josh Allen, oh, by the way, our big-ass investment. And then our next pick is a defensive guy, which, dude, Edmonds hopefully is promising. I know this, and Madden, he is fast as fuck. Played my first game of man the other night, well, last night, with a poor-ass connection against RJ Jones. If you didn't listen to the Steelers podcast talk, we have RJ a couple podcasts ago. Things got to happen. That's it. Like, give Nate Peterman six games. If you're not starting Josh Allen, that must must be what it is. Unless this is some kind of all right. I can't pull anything out of my butt. I don't know any other theory, but clearly Nate Peterman runs the offense. More efficient than anybody on the roster right now. Evaluate the offensive line. See where we're at. If he plays well, keep him in. If he plays okay, let's evaluate it. If he sucks, he sucks. But you got to at least give him a a couple games. We got to put this Nate Peterman thing to rest. If he's that great, trade him while while the hand is hot. That said, if he's that much better than Josh Allen, because you don't, you never know. Now Josh looks really promising, so I'm pretty stoked. Okay, but as always, I would not let Brandon Bean run my bank account. I will not. I look at it like this: if you had trading cards and you gave away a starting left tackle to move up in a draft for the hopes of getting a guy, and you don't even know who's going to be there when you move up, and then you give away another two second rounders that you have that year which is Bill's hands we've been coached is got to build through the draft got to build through the draft okay I can name so many second rounders that are productive Robert Woods solid receiver into a second contract making moves 
drafted him actually pretty high in a, in a 16 team fantasy league. I think like round six. I think it was a second or third receiver I got. Maybe third, believe it or not. Yeah. And that dude's awesome. Jarvis Bird, nine interceptions, rookie year. Was that a fluke? Sure. Sucker on pack. Right? I gotta be right on that. I'm always right. And then I look at another guy like Cordy Glenn. Transcends coaching schemes at the left tackle position. You had him for a bargain as a second round pick. Mel Kuyper had him projected to be a guard. You gave away two of those players. Ronald Darby. The year that the Bills don't have a first round pick. You nail, Doug Whaley nails on a cornerback on Ronald Darby. What, top two cornerbacks in the league that year, I believe? So, I look at it like, okay, the Bills needed to fill in center. They needed to fill in some depth at guard anyways and some young talent, some promising talent. Um, Was hearing maybe the draft wasn't so heavy up top with offensive linemen this year. The Bills fucked a guy this year off the draft. Not looking at anything right now. I don't know who it is. I'm drawing a blank. I'm on my Peterman point. My point is, is... I look at it like two second-round picks right now could have been traded for either ah another player or each pick for a player if you don't want to go the whole route of drafting a said player to fill a hole. But there are so what the beauty about football is there's so many different positions that. You're going to have in the top three rounds, day one starters, guaranteed. And when you're in a situation where, as a fan, you just made it to the playoffs and we want to go back and fans are just fine just packing it in, it's like, wait, what? Do I have to forget about the 17 years of misery? It's not about winning. It's not about an Andy Dalton pass and the Bills, quote, unquote, doing what they had to do. To get in the playoffs. It's about sustained success. I don't want a fluke. But if Peterman can can run this damn offense and we can start evaluating the roster, I guess, with what there's what there is, you know, let's go. It's time to put on the, the support the team cap here and make it rain. I'm raining in happiness right now. I am so stoked for the Ravens-Bills game. I can't wait. I'll be at a clam bake with my family, the Master Donatos. It's going to be awesome. I love the clam bake. Look forward to it. I was really pissed that they booked it on opening day. But the game isn't at home, so I quickly got over it. And I'm looking forward to it. And it's time to get behind Nate Peterman. Hop on the train. And I'm going to leave you folks with my thoughts of rambling on nonsense. So support the guy. Know I've crushed him. Nate, wish you the best, dude. I just need the team to support you. Bill Polian supported Peyton Manning with a lot of pieces. He supported Jim Kelly with a lot of pieces. Things got to happen here. Let's go, Buffalo. I'm your host, David Palermo. Don't forget, we're part of the Punch Drunk Sports Podcast Network. Tune in to Punch Drunk Sports, Sam Triple, Ari Shafir, Jason Tebow. Great comics. Awesome time. And um, if you can, please follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. 
shoot me a message, Dave at numbillsfan uh, at gmail.com. Or, yeah, Dave at numbillsfan.com. Sorry. Yeah, I forgot that. Let us know if there's any cool content. If you want to read or read, if you want to see any other podcasts, listen, see, listen to any other podcasts. Check out a podcast a couple ago. We did one with Adam Deacon uh, reading out loud why your team sucks from Deadspin on the Bills. I thought we could read the whole thing, but we got through pretty much the, the, the meat and potatoes. Pretty long article on a lot of nonsense, but I agree with a lot of it too. So check those out. Like the podcast. Tell your friends. Throw me some hate mail. Would love to talk shit. Not always going to dive into the same debates on Twitter. I guess that's why we do this podcasting. So follow along. Had a fantasy draft with Mike Smith. Can't wait to dive into that. Did our, we just wrapped up our Numb Bills Fan Fantasy League. Um, we got Jeff Knight in there. Ryan Bachman. If anybody knows Ryan Bachman. Who else? We got our, our dude Matt from Starbucks. Uh, Matt's pretty cool. Like Matt from Starbucks. Nice kid. Met him at Starbucks near my house. And uh, he went to the preseason game, the first one of the two in Buffalo. Who else we got in that league? No one cares. We'll get into another time. Have a good night, day, work day. Stay strong, support your dog, Nate, and let's go. See ya.